there's another gap that I see in data and statistics in producing countries where a lot of money could go into investing in actual real data, real-time data where we can map out cost of production. For example, I'll give an example of Kenya. Mm. Um, what it takes a producer in central Kenya to produce coffee is not the same cost as a producer in Rift Valley or you know, the farthest part of Kenya, the western part of Kenya. Because as is, as is ongoing right now, the coffee system in Kenya is being decentralized and cost of doing business is a lot more for all of us. This episode is proudly brought to you by Mapper Forward's workshop, It's Time to Become a Coffee Consultant. Learn how to diversify your revenue streams and create freedom from your day job while saying goodbye to that alarm clock forever by becoming a consultant within the coffee industry or directly to consumers who have shifted towards home brewing and home roasting. Protect your income from challenging times in the coffee value chain by taking this course today. Go to mapperforward.coffee forward slash workshops or click the link in the show notes for details. Powered by DXB Live and World of Coffee Dubai, Mapper Forward is proud to be the official podcast partner of World of Coffee Dubai in 2024 for a second year in a row. Welcome to the Daily Coffee Pro by Mapper Forward friends. I'm your host, Lee Safar, and this is the second conversation of day two at World of Coffee Dubai 2024. And joining me for this episode of the podcast is Vava Anguanyi. Did I say that right? Yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast for the first time, Vava. Thank you, Lee. It's a pleasure to have you in Dubai. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. I'm really excited about this because we don't really have very many people from Kenya come on this podcast. So this is a great opportunity for us not to just find out about you, but for us to talk about the theme of this series um, from the perspective of a person from Kenya, but also a woman from Kenya. Thanks for having me. It's, it's my pleasure. So um, before we get started, introduce, I know you don't want to do this. <laughs> Go for it. Tell us who you are and what you do. Vava uh, Ngwenyi, my names, I'm a coffee exporter, author, uh, many things, but mainly a coffee exporter and producer from Kenya. Right. And you are based in? Nairobi and okay. Lamu. Okay. And we are talking about empowerment mm-hmm. here, but not as like toxic positivity kind of empowerment. Yeah. It's from the perspective of we know the next couple of years in coffee mm-hmm. are going to be really challenging. Mm-hmm. And some people are going to thrive in that environment and other people are going to be decimated in that environment. Mm-hmm. No matter which way you fall on that spectrum, there's an opportunity for empowerment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what we're asking in this series is how can we empower the coffee industry in 2024? And, and what are your thoughts on that? Um, I would say initially, you know, when that question is posed, I'd like to, my, my first thought jumps to where is the power currently sitting? Because the word empower has, um, you know, I, I think a big word there is power. Where is the power currently sitting? Uh-huh. And when I look at this industry and my sort of years in it, it's... Um, there's always I've always felt there's there's a power imbalance. So mm-hmm. when when you ask um, how can we empower the coffee industry in 2024, I'll be like, what are the power shifts that can happen, and um, how can we tilt the scale such that the disempowered or 
you know, the communities that um, are always forgotten in this conversation of the supply chain are given more power or mm -hmm. are made more independent. Um, and when we talk about um, empowering, there's also the notion of um, um, how does empowerment look to, to people, to different people? Mm -hmm. Because I feel oftentimes when those with power go to communities that are less empowered, there's, um, there's sort of um, um, a shove it in your face type of empowerment uh, scenario where someone's forcing what they, they deem as empowerment down your throat, um, which is for me not what, what I would say is empowerment, but you know, there's that distorted um, definition of empowerment where the Western world feels, okay, we're in a less sort of developed part of you know the world be it africa be it latin america and this is our version of empowerment so let's just work with this so i would um i would like to see in 2024 that um perhaps those with more power in this supply chain are listening to communities that are less empowered and trying to find solutions that actually work practical solutions that actually mm -hmm. work so um if we can develop better listening mechanisms that are actually um, touching on what are the issues on the ground, especially to those with less power. And in this case, it's often the producers. It's often people working in producing countries. It's um, And there's so many issues we don't talk about. Um, Can when you give me some examples of those issues? I mean, when we talk about... Okay, the, the most rampant um thing that um is brought to the surface is uh price points for coffee producers but mm -hmm. then i i don't to to be honest i still don't think people are paying enough for coffee and uh that's a subject that's always talked about but not no one sort of hits the nail on what's the solution and and what can be done about it there's also the gap in financing for uh, exporters in mm -hmm. um in producing countries whereby you find um, oftentimes uh, we're saying we're sourcing ethically as a, as, a, as a coffee supply chain, but who are we really sourcing from? And are there support systems, especially financial structures and financial systems that really support people in producing countries that are trying to run um, profitable businesses? Because profit is, is key. Uh, you know, nobody's doing charity in this supply chain. And I'm like... Um, if we're talking about having a holistic supply chain from importer to exporter to producer, are we really looking at um, the efficiency of the supply chain in terms of profitability, but also access, other than access to markets is the finances that are required to actually run a business? And I, I touch on that because sometimes we... I think a lot of money is spent in areas where it's really not needed, whereas we're not really boosting financial access in producing countries that can enable these markets to run more efficiently. Mm. There's another gap that I see in data and statistics in producing countries where a lot of money could go into investing in actual real data, real-time data where we can map out cost of production. For example, I'll give an example of Kenya. Mm. Um, what it takes a producer in central Kenya to produce coffee is not the same cost as a producer in Rift Valley or, you know, the farthest part of Kenya, the western part of Kenya, because as is, as is ongoing right now, the coffee system in Kenya is being decentralized and cost of doing business is a lot more for all of us. 
And um, I would say that I think a lot more money needs to be channeled to collecting data that is more accurate, data that is more reflective of what um, the numbers really are on the ground so that we can make more informed decisions as an industry. Because I think oftentimes we're always blindly talking about cost of production and the fact that farmers don't know the cost of production. I'm like, you'd be surprised what you find on the ground when you're talking to producers is producers keep their numbers. It's, it's I think, organizations that are shy to really ask the hard questions because I think oftentimes people don't want to face the truth about you're not paying enough. Um, so you, you think that people are hiding behind this idea that producers don't know the cost of production yes. and therefore because they don't know the cost of production how do we know what to pay them exactly and for years people have been hiding behind that and saying that a lot of producers don't even know the cost of production i'm like um have you taken the time and invested in just sample data collect data from 200 300 producers in a single region in in kenya or any part of the world analyze that data and see whether producers really don't know the cost of production. You'll be surprised. A producer knows down to the dime how much they spend on fertilizer, how much of a, uh, a loan they have, how much they are getting paid, and they follow things to a T. We're ignoring uh, producers simply because we dismiss them as, you know, um, some of them are dismissed as illiterate or, and unless you're a middle class producer, those who can afford to maybe attend shows like this or whatever, you're dismissed. Right. So you find majority of producers who belong to cooperatives in Kenya or cooperatives around the world are ignored and dismissed as, ah, there's just no data. And then we keep on having the cyclic conversation around, we just don't know what the numbers are. Why don't we invest in getting these numbers? I think a lot more money needs to be invested in data in this sector. How confident are you that I, and I'm not challenging you here. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm le legitimately asking a question. Mm -hmm. How confident are you in, let's say, if we if we spoke to 200 producers in Kenya, what's your confidence level that they would know what their cost of production is? 100%. Wow. Yeah, because I've practically done this on the ground. I've um, been working very closely with producers for years and literally putting in my own investment just to prove this whole notion wrong because I'm like, I refuse to accept the fact that people say a producer does not know their numbers. Yeah, yeah, right. And we hear it all the yeah. time. And I'm all like, the time. you will be surprised the kind of records producers keep. A little notebook, and they'll open the notebook and be like, yeah, I spend this much and this much and this much. And if you just sit down and have the patience, uh, you know, walk through the numbers, they have their numbers. It's just we dismiss it as, because it, it's tedious. Data, collecting data is tedious. It requires, it's a huge investment for any organization. Yeah. And I think we shy away from it because... Um, no one, I mean, very few of us really want to, you know, pay the, the real price for coffee. Like very few of us, because um, I find it's like an easy scapegoat to, to always say, uh, well, we don't have. And then we, we sort of hide behind simple things that, you know, we see in the market that are being rolled out about transparency reports. And I don't know what and people going by FOB price aside from just really just looking at the numbers on the ground so i i'm fascinated by what you're saying because for years people mm -hmm. have been saying we would pay producers but most of them can't tell us if what the cost of production is and this is the first time anybody has proposed to me 
and I'm almost embarrassed that that's the case, that nobody has ever kind of said, well, why don't we ask the producers if they know what their cost of production is? Granted, producers mm-hmm. that come on this show, a couple of them say we sort of know the ballpark. Mm-hmm. But And I guess I don't frame the question right when I yeah. ask them. Yeah. Uh, my question to them is, do you have a profit and loss statement? Do yeah. you, right? So, that, which is very different That's from, different from, yeah. from yeah. Uh, do you know the cost, cost of production? Of, yeah. And so, I guess we as an industry mm-hmm. have been making assumptions yeah. that because producers are walking off their farms in across the Americas, yeah. that that's happening all over the world. We hear from people, a lot of people in the Americas that mm-hmm. we don't know the cost of production. Mm-hmm. So this is a new line of questioning, I think, that we have to have as an industry. It is. And I think it also depends on who's asking the question. because right. And also... What's the agenda? Asking it in, um, in a manner that a producer understands. Because if you... My experience is if you ask a producer, okay, how much uh, does it cost you to produce a kilo of cherry? They'll walk you through it. They'll be like, okay, Vava, I order my, my fertilizer. There's a truck that brings it um, uh, every so often. I pay this much a kilo for the, the farm inputs. Um, I have a loan with, um, you know... This person? KPC or whatever. Um, and then um, this is what I get, got paid per kilo of cherry when I delivered. And I've done this exercise, um, one with estate farmers and some co-ops. And it just, you have to guide the process to collect this data. It's a lot of work, but they know their numbers. They know them in a cultural, uh, I don't know what the way to say that is, but th- there's a different language, Yes. right? Like, like literally just, uh, it's like when you're asking uh, a producer your profit and loss statement, that, that'll just be like... That's gibberish. They're like, what, what is that? I'm not that complex. Like, I don't have such yeah. a complex whatever. But if you guide them through like, um, so last season, how much did you spend on... Um, right, you write the numbers down yeah, and put it in. you write the numbers down. Yeah. Labor, how much do you pay the labor? Yeah. Okay, transport put down all those you have numbers yeah so the numbers are there we just refuse to go through this tedious process it is tedious but the numbers are there and producers will give you the numbers what do we do with the data once we have it analyze the data um, and you know create a a story that um, you know tells the truth what what like what does success look like once we've got that, this data? Because we're talking about empowerment, right? Yes. This looks like an opportunity that is a gateway mm-hmm. to data-driven empowerment. Mm-hmm. What does success look like if we can reach that? What does it look like? I like the fact that you say data-driven empowerment because I'm like, data does not lie. You know, if we invested in data... Not if it has integrity. Yeah. There is yeah. data that comes with a lot of fuckery. Yes. That's not what we're talking yes. about here. When we have data that has data integrity, yeah. then we have a whole different idea of the picture. Yeah. And it seems like from everything that I know about producers in Kenya, mm-hmm. there's a lot of organization that goes into people communicating with each other mm-hmm. and being present for each other. Mm-hmm. So there's a legitimate shot at Kenya mm-hmm. setting a standard yeah. for how to organize around this. Yeah. And actually taking the Kenyan system and why I feel that would be a good case study for this whole notion that we don't know the cost of production and we just need to do like a case study and map out maybe three different regions is the fact that the Kenyan system is so data driven that you can follow a coffee from the farm to the auction 
or through whatever and map out um, if we're to take uh, you know these three different regions um, to your question about what does success look like yeah success is uh, um, and in this case for the producer or even for the entire supply chain is we finally get to know the numbers and we're paying um, producers um, a profitable price or rather producers are getting rewarded and making a profit at the end of the day um, and all of us along the supply chain are actually working with real data that is actually making sense for businesses and um, the supply chain makes sense mm-hmm. rather than us sort of fumbling and thinking okay fine there's quality involved when it comes to uh, what a producer is being paid but if we start with the baseline the baseline number is okay um, what the producer has spent producing the coffee be it you know four dollars or three dollars a kilo of cherry mm-hmm. and moving that forward to when the coffee ends at the um, at the millers and then ends up at the auction um, there's beauty in working with um, um, numbers that are real numbers that um, that we can all go by to actually have as a baseline for each of our businesses no matter what su- part it. of the supply chain you are so for me it's that efficiency and then even I as an exporter when I'm approaching a client or whatever there's there's more what do you call it there's more um, strength in the argument or rather not even an argument it's just there's a stronger basis to say hey these are my numbers and these are the facts on the ground and this is what the FOB price looks like you know take it or live it rather than people Gosh, always doesn't just, that sound empowering right yeah. you can't have my coffee if you're not going to pay me what it costs to make it exactly and I'm not going to go at a loss and this is not a huggling game. And, no, yeah. and Kenyan coffee is amongst the most highly sought after in the world. Yeah. And so, the, I mean, when we go back to the beginning of the conversation the re- and the redistribution of power across the supply chain, mm-hmm. I love this conversation because it does offer a solution to how we redistribute power yeah. across the supply chain. We start with data. Yeah. We start with understanding the actuality of the situation and the plight for producers. Mm-hmm. We have a baseline mm-hmm. and they get to turn around. And Because my big thing has been, why are we trying to determine how to fix the pricing problem? We haven't got the... It's not our business to yeah. do that. We shouldn't be setting that. I don't know many other places in the Western world where you the customer goes to the business and says so let me tell you what i should pay for the product for the product yeah the producers should be empowered to fix this problem from where i'm sitting anyway mm-hmm. yeah and so this offers an actual solution in how we can empower that process and in an intelligent way yeah it's a data driven yeah. solution mm-hmm. to how much should coffee cost yeah because every time this conversation comes up of cost of production there's so many semantics thrown around that right. I'm just like we're always just looking at one side of this supply chain we're right. always looking at the consuming countries what they're going through the drama or the economic situations that are happening in these countries we never consider what's happening in the producer no. country if there's a war in the Congo if there's a war in Kenya if there's a political um, upheaval in Kenya no one's saying oh yeah the price of coffee has gone up because of this and no no one they're like no why is a Kenyan coffee uh, this price and uh, yeah but if there's um, you know the war in Russia you know the western world is affected everyone right. freezes whatever the USD something happens with the oil industry 
things change. But something happens in Africa, no one gives a shit about what's happening in Africa. The Congo has been at war for years. Yeah. Why isn't Congolese coffee selling? You know, why isn't the price crazy? Because I'm like, logistics in DRC are, are a fucking nightmare. Yeah. In Burundi as well, where there's no power like half the time and there's roadblocks and there's insecurity. Where are those two origins blowing up in terms of like, those are the most expensive coffees in, in the world right now. But we are always fretting to the Western world. Why isn't no one coughing? And I'm like, all of this, some of the best coffees are from Africa. Mm -hmm. But no one blinks when there's, a, when there's chaos in Africa. Right now, even, you know, with the Kenyan government, uh, um, you know, changing regulations, I wouldn't say it's sudden, you know, there were hints, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> but with Has the change in regulations happened yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When did they happen? Uh, it started last year, mm -hmm. um, as we were about to wind up the last trading season and okay. now they're fully i think we're fully feeling the effects great as we kicked off this new trading season in january and to be honest like to my point about no one flinches when something happens in this producing countries it's I like i think that they're not as informed but we're going to do something to change that this year we're going to have you back on the podcast. We're going to get more folks from Kenya on the podcast. And because the people who listen to this podcast are the people who actually want to be informed. This is the, uh, this is the more informed audience. This is not an audience that like, that's interested in latte art and coffee competitions and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, folks, let's uh, see what we can do this year in getting more attention to this. Vava, it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast for the first time. This has been an awesome conversation. Thank I hope you'll you come back again. Thanks, for sure. Yeah, if you'll have me Fantastic. again. Fantastic. I will. This was great. Do you Thanks. want to sign us off? Yeah. Uh, peace, love and peanut butter. Have an amazing rest of your day, everyone. Be safe and join us for the next episode of the podcast. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed this episode, friends. Please don't forget to show us some love by subscribing, liking, commenting, and most of all, sharing this podcast with your friends. Check the show notes for links, including our sponsors and our Patreon. And stay tuned for more great conversations on the Daily Coffee Pro by Mapper Forward.